You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Oh, hello again. This is Tom May, and it's Future Friday, the 14th episode of the show. Um, it is another round of questions sourced from Instagram and social media from a lot of our friends and family and fans of the band and fans of the podcasts. Uh, it has been about six weeks now here in self-isolation in Philadelphia. Um, so I'm going to call it social distancing. It is not self-isolation. We are. Uh, I'm extremely lucky to be here with my fiance Beth Ann, and uh, she joins me again to answer these questions. Uh, a friend of the show, one of my best friends in the world, Roger Harvey, is playing a show every day at 4.20, live-streamed, and he asked me when this episode was going to come out, and I realized, you know, if you could play a show every single day, I'm going to try to back it up and put out one of these episodes every week. So, uh, hopefully I'm not shooting myself in the foot, but I think a little bit of accountability in this uncertain time, if I can maintain a positive attitude and spread some hope and some, uh, some love around, why the fuck not, you know? Either way, and without further ado, here is episode 14, question time number two with uh, my fiance Beth Ann Downey. So, next time. All right, it's working, it's rolling. Dope. D- dope, as you say in Delco. <laughs> For those who can't see me, I'm scowling. You are scowling. How are you doing, pre-wife? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because we say it all the time, but I don't like that other people know it now. That's fun. Oh, because it's not ours now. Wow. I guess that's like a... Why can't it just be ours, Tom? That's a road we could go down. Um, so we are re-recording this because the last time we did it, we got... It was sad and morbid. It was during like a little bit of a dark period here in this, this stay in place. For me, at least. Yeah, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that. Yeah, I kept like bringing it back to the same old beaten... Trash, trashiness. We also didn't start the podcast on like drink three. True. Yeah, we were a little, I got a little sauce during the last one. It was like an anger drink and I could, you know, you could feel it in your face. I don't know how it works for you. Probably not. You get like a wind that rushes up into your body and you just want to fight and wrestle people. No, I just get giggly and stupid. <laughs> I got hazy for sure. It was as hazy as the time. So my brother lives in the middle of nowhere and we went to, and it's awesome. And we went to a like firehouse picnic that they were having there. And, uh, I was only drinking those hard seltzers and I forget which brand it was, but I drank them and they made me so stupid. Probably white claw. It might've been truly. White claw. I think it was truly actually the shittier ones. Yeah. The, 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 the off brand, just complete glaze haze over myself. Uh, but yeah, so we got a bunch of questions They're from two weeks ago. So the context of them might have changed. Some of the COVID-19 related ones, we should say it is uh, Wednesday, April 15th. Yeah, I think it was three weeks ago that we tried this. It may have been. I thought it was March 29th. So it was two weeks. Okay. Yeah, but so my friend uh, and and friend of the show, Roger Harvey, has been playing a live show every day at 420. Pretty dope. Yeah, and Anika joins them. And Anika's been reading uh, poetry every day, and that's extremely inspiring. So I'm going to try to do one of these and put it out every Friday. 
Damn. Whether with a guest. What, what I need to do, we're sitting at the kitchen table and there's a bunch of audio bullshit around. I'm just going to have it set up on the third floor, which you most graciously have let me turn into a studio where I work on songs all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still have to knock on the neighbor's door and ask, that's okay, because now I can hear them speaking a lot more than I used to and realize that I've just been screaming things and more worried about them hearing how often I talk to myself. Yeah, that's inevitable. So they probably heard me say some weird shit. That's okay. They seem really, really nice. Mm-hmm. I like them. But uh, yeah, so I'm just going to have it set up there and then we can, I can just knock this out and do whatever. Yeah, hell yeah. I wonder what Roger's plan for 420 on 420 is. Oh, my God. The complete explosion of the world. <laughs> complete meltdown. Uh, so what do you think? Should we get into some of these qu- questions? Hell As, yeah. Uh, um, Connor uh, uh, McGuigan at the Bog, who runs Question Time, which is a quizzo in Scranton, says pronounces it that way, and it will always ring really true to me. Hell yeah. Yeah. Woo. All right. Adam Durham asks. Would you rather, my good friend Adam Durham, my old uh, my old buddy, he's doing really cool woodworking shit now. Would you rather have to land a jumbo jet full of strangers or perform open heart surgery on your significant other? You get coached through both. Yeah, I would say sorry to you, but open heart surgery on you because even though I love you, I would rather not risk multiple lives in yeah. this endeavor because I will probably like, fail. Train, that train switch uh, drawing, the, the the philosopher problem of, you know. Yeah, I would uh, do open heart surgery on you as well, even though I think that it would be a lot easier to land the plane. No offense to all of the pilots that are not listening to this for sure, but you figure somebody could coach you through that, right? There's not a lot of uh, extremely precise, same colored flesh, blood, tiny tools, Tiny vessels. Tiny vessels. Well, I think I would probably do well since I've watched all like 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Okay. So, yeah. You have a, that's basically, I'm basically a doctor an <laughs> in the world of doctorhood. So you're on the way. <laughs> I think you got it. I, uh, yeah. No offense to, to doctors or to surgeons, I, I suppose, but I think pilots are cooler. I'm just going to refrain from. You're not going to elaborate because you do love Grey's Anatomy. And. How many pilots do you know? None. How many? I know one pilot. So you, this is all based on. Well, no, it's cooler to fly a plane. Oh, okay. So yeah, you're like, you know, that's some serious shit right there. You got everybody's life in your hand. You're in a tube blasting across the lower atmosphere. Something that humans have never done ever in the history of humanity. You know, like move that quickly. People have been cutting each other to pieces for (laughs) (laughs) a long time. All right, I'll give you that. Fine. Yeah, I mean, that's not cool, though. Surgeons are pretty fucking cool. That's, that's badass. I hope that whatever doctor has to do open heart tr- surgery on you in 30 years 30? has heard this oh, podcast. Oh, 63. Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. This is quarantine. My mind just it goes to the gutter. Yeah, you're right. All right. Uh, all right. Matt Killerin asks, which Benzinger's record are you most proud of? The quote-unquote artiste in me wants to be like, oh, it was the most recent one, or On the Impossible Past, or it was uh, After the Party, which I think After the Party was my favorite to do. Uh, But the one I'm most proud of is probably the first one, because it opened up the door. It's called The Lesson in the Abuse of Information Technology. And it went from, you know, seriously low technology, uh, no money, bad outlooks, lots of demons, bad social situ- situations into a record on a big 
independent label that kicked the door wide open for me to live this way, uh, for us to tour this way in the last 15 years. So I think I'm most proud of that one. Because I feel like it was the biggest, the biggest accomplishment, the biggest hurdle. Hell yeah. Uh, I revisited that album when doing the of the impossible or off of the impossible pod yeah and the impossible menzingers pod. challenge yeah a lot of instagram challenges going around there's one <laughs> where you picked your favorite song from each record that's cool but so i kind of like forgot what the first two albums was on there Sorry. hey we do too <laughs> <laughs> we were doing a uh a show where we were playing all b-sides and old stuff and we had a difficult time like going through and i think eric counted how many songs that we've released that night and it was very, it was tons. It was a shit. We were just like 80 songs or something. I was going to say over 100. I don't know what the... I don't think it's over 100. That'd be cool, though. Next time. Yeah. All right, let's see what... Uh, got that one. I should have a pen so I can strike these out. We got On the B-Side, Johnny from Down Under. I went to the Brisbane show on the last tour. Brilliant show. Were you worried that night? And uh, yes, we were absolutely worried that night. We were worried for that entire tour. If we left a day earlier, we would have um, been totally fine with the decision of leaving if we left a day later we wouldn't have not gone <laughs> so we, we when we left we had a, a conversation with our um our um booking agent for australia and, and europe tom taff and our manager tim zahotsky and we just talked you know i think i told this on the last question time question time podcast about how much of a difficult decision that was and while we were there it was being in a different time zone, not connected to our family and friends, and just watching some of the news change while some of the news did not change. Uh, what I mean is by outlet and kind of just, yeah, we were nervous that night. But we had a great fucking time, so thank you for coming to that show. That venue was really cool. It was a lot less hot than it was the first time that we played there, which was one of the hottest shows we've ever played. Let the record show that I did go get him a pen. Yeah, you did. You did put your headphones down and get me a pen. Thank you. Because I'm your pre-wife. You are. You are my pre-wife. Uh, driveway fried eggs. What's your favorite song you've written and why? That could be a different answer on every single day, but for some reason, uh, even for an eggshell popped into my head, which is a song on our first record. And I think that was because I was able to take a song that I wrote and use it as a senior project for AP English. So it saved me lots of work. Uh, and it also was one of the songs that we first started playing together as a band, which ties into earlier when I was talking about the proudest record being the first one. Are you feeling nostalgic today? Uh, the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Today, what's, oh, this podcast is brought to you by Veg because we use the cookbook. Yeah. Michaelpolitan, uh, mushroom farm in Philly. We get a, a mushroom farm share from them. It's pretty fucking cool. They're still doing it too. Prorated if you want to check it out and cider. Use some cider instead of white wine. The hail and true. Shout out. Um, that didn't really have anything to do with the show, but that's what we just ate and I'm stuffed. It's nice. My friend Bobby Maxian, uh, what is your favorite? When, not what or which, but when is your favorite cigarette? Yeah, mine is after the first or second drink when you're a little buzzed and the cigarette makes you more buzzed. You get that fuzzy feeling in your head. Yeah, that's a real, real good one. And I must say, this also applies, and it's also new, is we did have an apocalyptic oh cigarette. Oh, my God. We had an apoc- <laughs> I have an apocalyptic cigarette stash in a, in a shoebox, and we smoked it when we found out that John Prine died. Yeah. So that, I mean, it was sad, but it was still a it good cigarette. Really I mean, it was fun. It, <laughs> it was great to have it with you because we had a cigarette together in so many, so many years. Yeah. Yeah. My, I don't know when my favorite is. My favorite, my when my favorite, when my favorite uh, is probably, I like the post-sex cigarette. That's a good one. Post big meal cigarette is pretty, pretty fucking good. Eat like 
you know, I don't know, what, Thanksgiving dinner? That's your quintessential big meal. And then just smoke a cigarette outside with whomever else is smoking and take a little break from your day. Get that stimulant shot. Show's brought to you by Newport. (laughs) 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 That was also, you were a menthol smoker, so that was funny. It was your, the apocalyptic cigarette was one of your old ones. Yeah, and it tasted bad. Oof, it was not, not good. My body thanks me for not continuing to do that. Yeah, totally. Can't be doing that shit. I even immediately was like, can I smoke, a, can I smoke yeah. one next week? And I was like, no. We can't buy an apocalyptic pack. It no, was just the Jesus one. Jesus Christ. What a terrible idea. All right, let's, here we go. Glow in the dark. Glow and the dark. Tell us about your face. I think, I think, <laughs> I think I was meant to write fave. Tell us about your fave lesser known Scranton and Philly bands from back in the day. First ones popping into my head are um, Luther, uh, not Luther, goddamn, Lester. So I've, I've been, I've had two very close fr- groups of friends that played in, one was in Luther, I'm still friends with today, great band, and uh, Lester, who I, I don't see as much these days, but our friend Danny was a singer, um, Jeremy played in that band, Roberto played in that band, so many, so many, so many cool friends, but Danny still goes under Biko, and he makes... Uh, Pretty fucking cool furniture down in Virginia, and he makes writes incredible songs. He's actually the guy, the, our friend who we talk about that wrote, uh, that inspired and wrote part of the chorus for Casey. Oh, wow. Yeah, he lived, Joe Godino, and I lived with him when I was 18 in an apartment in West Scranton. And he wrote that, like, sitting out, sitting out, on, the, sitting out on the wall. Super fans are going to go find him now. They are. They should go find him. It goes under Biko. He put out a record, I think, last year, and it's, it's pretty fucking good. I love that. I remember the last time we did this, Deja Vu, I brought up the band, The Great American Soundtrack, which had our friend Ben Pierce in it. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I've known since I was 19, well before we met. And I don't know if we've met through him. I don't feel like I would have been where I am if he hadn't welcomed me into the music scene when I moved here. So So cool. Thanks, Ben. Shout out, Ben. What's up, bro? Uh, Buahas says... When are the men singers rescheduling to come back to New Zealand? I have no idea. Because I think two weeks ago I said, we'll be back next year. We're figuring it out. And now we uh, are finding out that no one has any idea what's going to happen to the borders, first of all, uh, regarding international travel and what's going to happen to live events. Because some of the, I mentioned in the last podcast that some of the people that I talked, uh, that I had um, listened to and some of my friends that I talked to had kind of access to other information than what the mainstream media was going on at the time, yada, yada, yada. So still listening to those same sources and they're all like, yeah, pretty soon we're going to be able to get different sections of the country back up and uh, functioning and working, get some kids back in school, depending on your infection rates, the testing, the um, population density, that kind of thing. But no live events. So they all end with that caveat. They're all like, no, but we probably shouldn't do that. So... We'll see. They were right the first time. We'll see how right they are this time. So I'm sorry, Bajas, 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 but I uh, I don't know when we'll be back to New Zealand, but it will be. We will be back. I was going to say, basically, don't use the word scheduling and it reference to anything outside of your immediate family at the moment. Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can schedule with more than no, just a, X people. Yeah. <laughs> right just, now. In the, just in the, the uh, pretend space. Or in the electronic distance space. We've gotten really good at Zoom and shit like that. The 
last two weeks as well since we've tried this first attempt. We've had a lot of Zoom. You had a PowerPoint presentation meeting. Yep. We had a big Zoom party for my brother's birthday, for Greg's birthday. We had a, a, a Zoom meeting with Tim today. It's life now. That's life. You know, that's life. Clean your room. And by PowerPoint <laughs> meeting, you mean a PowerPoint party I in do, which... I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should really clarify. This is a really cool idea. If you're out there and listening, you should probably try this because of how fucking cool it is. But everyone has to actually do it. And it was 17 people over the course of four or five hours pre- presenting five-minute presentations on something they're passionate about. Yeah, so. which ranged in topics from bird sex or ornithological sex or whatever. To how to tile and grout. How to tile and grout. You guys had your... Uh, what's in your wine? What's in your wine? Yours was a five-minute uh, MFA distillation. Yes. Back that. Mine was uh, how to make a song from start to finish on any laptop. So I used GarageBand and I made a song. But then I... Uh, you know what really, really happened? I mean, I know what happened, but... I, I didn't charge my computer, so I couldn't oh, make the yeah. video... To send to you guys remotely, whatever, that's boring. But I made a really fucking cool and stupid electronic song that I was really excited about. And I texted Joe Godino, I said, Joe, I need a chorus for this. And he said, let me think. I was like, got it, that's perfect. I was just let me think. <laughs> and I had this auto, do you know GarageBand has an auto-tune function? I just had this auto-tune, let me think, that I was saying over it. Whoa. Bruh. So basically, someone invite Tom to a PowerPoint party. Invite me, you- honestly, if you invite me to a PowerPoint party and you, you're doing it and it's not some fucking jerk-off bullshit, I will, I will join it. Email me. There we go. Damn me. That'd be so fun. Tom May party. Tom May party. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, Marianne Dube said, how cold is your dwelling? And we realized that it was probably because I put out a video to collect these questions where I was wearing a jacket. And I was wrapped in a million wrapped blankets. In a blanket. That was more of like an emotional thing. You know how like a yeah. kid sucks on a blanket to, because he misses the teat? And you're, you're wrapping them. We were kind of just like missing the... The uh, the uterus of pre-birth. Oh. You know, I just wanted to die and <laughs> be wrapped up. I could keep going if you're honest. You're looking at me like, are you going to keep going Yeah, I just, just going to keep rolling. You said uterus, so I think that's I did. Enough. I did. That's okay. We can handle it. Yeah. I was going to say, I just always am wrapped in blankets and animals anyway, so. Yeah. True. Because she, she asked that and I was like, why would it be cold? It was like yeah, a Yeah, we were confused. Uh, Andy Poole. Dr. Andy Poole. How did you get so into fungi, and how has BA's life benefited from this fascination? You go first. I love mushrooms so much. I uh, for, So we'll just get it out of the way. The psychedelic mushroom experience um, is one that I deeply respect, deeply, uh, in, you know, has helped me immensely. I think it's super fascinating. I think the idea of, uh, uh, of the stoned ape um, hypothesis is super fucking fascinating. So cool. You should look that up if you haven't seen it. There's actually a documentary that's come out. Uh, called Fantastic Fungi that I can't recommend uh, enough to watch. But, yeah, I had my first mushroom experience was at a Grateful Dead, or The Dead, concert with my hippie friends at the end of high school. And we went and we traded, like, beers or something for the mushroom. It was like we could walk around the parking lot and just say what you wanted, and someone would say cheesy, and then you'd walk over and you'd, you'd sell it to each other. And that was up at, the, at an amphitheater. So I got it. I took uh, 3.5 grams, a full eighth, which is something that I didn't realize at the time you didn't have to. But that was what my hippie friends were like, no, you have to do it or it doesn't work. You won't trip. So I was just tripping fucking balls <laughs> so hard while the dead was playing. I don't know how long the concert was. I just sat there with my eyes closed and went on a, uh, you know, a literal psychedelic journey through all kinds of parts of myself and ran into Joe's mom and... Played it, played it cool. <laughs> it 
And then at the very end, we just sat in the parking lot until like 6 a.m. because I drove there and was like, yeah, sure, I'll be done with that. I'll be able to drive home. And I think that the, uh, like the effects of, you know, fucking up your motor skills and your worldly perception had worn off, but I was so emotionally and psychologically moved that I was like, I can't, yeah, I'm not driving. No, we're not, we're sitting here. And was, yeah, it was, that was pretty crazy. So, but, uh, also I just learning about the relationship that fungi has to the natural world is super fascinating and it's so hidden. And the only way that it manifests itself, uh, oftentimes is just instantly with these bizarre fungi that could be there one minute and then they're not. And then there's an entire, um, mycelial network underneath you connecting everything together. And it's just, super fascinating i mean i think it's really cool and i think you've benefited from my fascination and that i cook them for you all the time yep and find we find them together find them together in fact 10 minutes before we get we uh got engaged i boosted you on my shoulders up into the top of a tree to get some oyster mushrooms yep and basically that's how you knew you loved me forever i knew i was like we'll see this will be the last test (laughs) like the end of ready player one when he turns down the contract (laughs) And I did it. I was like, can you, are you spry enough to climb upon my shoulders and cut some oyster mushrooms off? And I did. You did. Great. Yeah, they're they're really good. Yeah, they're fucking awesome. So that's that's your answer, Andy. All right, we got that dude, Rob. What's the best 10th anniversary show you've been to? Also, any plans for Chamberlain Waits? Uh, What records are you listening to during quarantine season? Spelled S-Z-N like an airport. That's a lot of questions. It's a lot. We're going to answer them all. What's the best 10th anniversary show you've been to? I don't know if I've ever been to a 10th anniversary show. Valencia. Valencia. We all need a reason to believe. Yeah. Show. That was, a, I had a lot so of fun. So much fun. I had more fun because I love them. You had more fun than me because you, yeah, you really like them. So that would be the best one uh, by default and because also it was, it was really fun. Any plans for Chamberlain Waits? No. Again, plans. What are these plans? Uh, oh yeah, what are these plans that we speak of? We're gonna, I'm just going to go back through this and just put the beep anytime somebody says plans. Uh, what records are you listening to during quarantine? I, did, uh, I didn't realize that King Cruel put out a new record, so Ooh. I've been listening to that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like Rat Boys. Uh, they put out a new album right before quarantine. Yeah. Gladi, of course. Oh yeah, Gladi, the, that Bumping vinyl that. hardly left, uh, hardly, has hardly mm-hmm. left the turntable. I've been listening to Press Club's record bunch. That's who, who, who we played with in uh, Australia, Down Under. Aye, <laughs> I'll mate. I'll never say that again. Yeah, that's the, good, the good South England Australian. Um, <laughs> Whoops. And Indian Outlaw says, do you like Steinbeck? Favorite novels by him or just in general? Uh, I like the movies that come from his books. I've not read uh, my one of my best friends and friend of the show again. Nick Harris absolutely swears by him. So, yeah, I mean, The Road was super fucking cool and, and wild as hell. Um, no Country for Old Men is one of his. Um, that movie is one of the my, one of my favorites. Uh, I should just read one. What should I do? Re- I should read while we're in quarantine. You've been doing that. Yeah, I read a lot of nonfiction. I've been reading a gardening book. I've been reading a mushroom book. I've been reading uh, Malcolm Gladwell's newest book, and I have some fiction books that I just look at, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be cool. I'm going to feel good about myself when I read it, and then I don't. That's how we balance each other out. Yeah, exactly. Hell yeah. Uh, Thanks, Anindy Natla. Let's see. Monica, what do you appreciate most about the other? I'll let you go first. (laughs) (laughs) I love being able to do all these again because my answers have gotten better. 
But for this one, I love your passion and how you get yourself into so many different amazing projects and how you usually bring your friends along in a lot of those endeavors. And I get to be on the podcast, so that's fucking cool. <laughs> Twice, two-time guest host producer person. You can be on any anytime you want to. I think that's great. We can just do a sporadic episode. Uh, I think that the ladies that are vying for your attention are going to get a little jealous <laughs> when they're like, who's this bitch? Why does she have to be on the podcast? Well, they're going to be banging down the door when they see how I'm going to let my hair grow, uh, Bernie-esque. <laughs> so I went. I had a habit of shaving my head. I'm bald. I had a habit of shaving my head, and now I'm just gonna let it, let it roll. Well, it's like good to crown. know, because you were threatening me with shaving it again. It's contingent upon you keeping your gray hairs. That yeah, I love. that shit's fucking dope. So actually, to answer that, what do you appreciate most about the other your your grays? That's all, really. No, that's most. <laughs> just kidding. No, I really, really like the way that you are able to maintain. Um, such like a, a, a solid and rigid way about you when you're able to do things. That sounded like it. Whoa. Insult. What I mean is the strength <laughs> and the organization that you are able to tackle things with is, is, is something I appreciate immensely. And of course, without saying the, what, how you feel for me is what I, you know, you loving me is what I appreciate the most. Are you basically just saying I'm a rigid, frigid bitch? No, I got too <laughs> nervous when I started describing it. And then by that time I had to just go all in. <laughs> I like it. I know what you mean. Yeah. The rest of the people might not, but whatever. Think what you want. No, you're, you're an incredibly strong and, and beautiful human being in that, in that regard. And you're beautiful and hot. So that's cool too. Question. Am I more beautiful and cool than Tim, who you were... Providing many accolades last question time. You are much <laughs> more beautiful and much cooler than Tim. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. You're beautiful and cool, but not as beautiful and cool as my pre-wife. Thank you, Monica. Uh, let's see. Lbreed33. How'd you guys... Oh, so we're just rolling on us now. How did you guys meet and how did you know she was, quote, your lady? Hell yeah. Love it. Yeah. Who wants to start with the story? You can start with the story. Okay. So we met because I interviewed the Menzingers for a magazine I wrote for Philadelphia Music Magazine called Jump, rest in peace. And uh, I was dating someone else at the time. Tom had laid claim on me if I was single because I did, he. Yeah, that's what we usually do in our band when we work with members of the opposite sex. We declare who <laughs> gets to. Who gets them? Whom do I own now? No, I'm just kidding. We don't. Yeah. Clearly, we don't no. do that. But, uh, um, but oh, you I did. Thought- no, I was like, you know, that girl's really cute. That was really fun to hang out there. Um, I was single. I was like dibs. Yeah, in a joking, colloquial, bro-y way. You were also the only one that was single at the time, so. True. So, I mean, it was like understood. But it was just a fun way to, you yeah. know, fun way to tell a story. And then um, we met up again because I asked Jess Flynn a fantastic photographer um, and a cool friend of ours, uh, our, our OG mutual friend. I was like, do you have any like single friends? You know, I'm not, I didn't, I, online dating, I don't think was really taken off as much and I wasn't as good at it. I made an okay Cupid account for a couple years and wasn't that good. When I went to bars, I just got really hammered. Wasn't good at that. And you know, you meet people, we met people on the road and stuff, but I kind of didn't want to 
Yeah, so I asked my friends. I was like, who's your single friend? She's like, remember that girl that interviewed you guys? She is. Because I had broken up with the person that. broken up with the other guy. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that girl was awesome. And then by happenstance, your email got hacked. Yes. And emailed our band email account. And I was like, oh, I got to hit her up, tell her that her email got hacked. She's going to, this is crazy. And I was like, oh my God, why is Tom May texting me? Holy shit. And then we, then I went to go see 311. This was way. This was one of the stories that was better when we told it the last time. I think it was better when we told it the um, last time. Basically, three eleven and music <laughs> journalism, and yeah, that's how we met. Well, you asked me out over Facebook Messenger. I did. Yeah. And I was so nervous. Yeah, I was extremely nervous. That's probably why I use Facebook Messenger. And the rest is history. Thanks, yeah. Jess. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, all right. So fucking lame. Spell with a ph. What do you mostly eat on the road? Uh, depends on where we are. I almost went real. Du- we depends on where we are. Usually, fucking trash food, trash bar food, that's at the venue. But no, it's only in like certain places in cities out, cities outside the big cities. I like to eat at uh, grocery stores. That's my my absolute favorite. We have a cool rider that we get every day. That thank you, Scott. That uh, we so we send this list of shit that we want to be at the venue for the show, and it's basically. Vegan lunch meats, lunch meats, cheese, assortment of vegetables, and some various healthy and unhealthy snacks. You got your Eric's favorite thing in the world is spicy nachos from Doritos. Spicy blue corn chips, or no, that's Scott's. No, Scott likes yeah. fucking red hots. That's the worst yeah, yeah. thing about his personality. It's his only flaw. Uh, why do you need to put powder on tortilla chips before you dip them into fucking salsa? Why? It's going in the salsa. Um, I think Greg would fight me on that as well, but yeah, so we, that's a good half of the food that we eat is purchased from a grocery store by either who is called a runner. So it's a person who is basically like a production assistant for the venue and they will, or if the show's smaller, it'll just be the promoter themselves or like sometimes it's been their friend, you know, they'll go and shop this list of shit that we gave to them. And that is part of the, the deal of who pays for the show. So they go and they bring that. They put it either in the dressing room or they put it on the bus that we're traveling in or the bandwagon or, you know, what, whatever. And we eat. They say an army marches on its stomach, and I, I do believe that. You have varying degrees of people when they want to eat. Some people get hangry, and that needs to be, like, managed, or you'll have a, a fucking a mutiny. Um don't forget that you also sometimes get a full rotisserie chicken. That's that's, that's some also good shit. on the rider. That's a good one. We've learned some things from some bands along the way. Mm-hmm. One that we'd never do is lottery tickets. A <laughs> band that gets like five or six lottery tickets, which is such a good idea. Because five or six five or six bucks, and you might win more. It's ridiculous. You're like, Fuck a lot. You're winning off someone. Well, it is your money in the long run, but it's yeah, like funny. It's a funny thing. Totally, it is a gray area. Yeah. Also, though, with the money, because some places will it has a what's called a hospitality budget. So it'll be like. I don't know, $600, and they'll give everybody 10 bucks to go eat dinner if they don't have a place in-house, like a, a restaurant in the actual venue, and then the rest of it is spent on the, the rider food and the... Um, booze. Booze. Always lots of booze. That's a whole other podcast we could get into. But yeah, it's not always $600. Sometimes it's $200, but a lot of times it's, it's high enough to where we can give every single person on the tour, every single person working the tour, um, all the opening bands and their crew, all, everyone gets a flat cash uh amount for dinner you know call it a buyout but yeah so that's basically what we eat on tour i like to buy stuff at a grocery store that's my favorite place to eat 
And then, you know, then you also sometimes you get your regional foods. Like for me in the Southwest, I would just always eat as many, as many, as much Mexican food as I possibly can. That kind of shit, you know? It's a good question. Thanks so fucking lame. Tummy's tummy. He needs some standardized Tommy's foods. Tummy's tummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy's tummy. God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to fucking cringe if I listen. <laughs> so hard. That's okay. Uh, Joe McCarthy, if you were a mushroom, what mushroom would you be? I, I even actually cheated on this one because when I copied and pasted the question, I wrote it. I'll be the artist bracket. That's only how I'm feeling today, though. And that's how I was feeling back then, coincidentally. The Ganoderma species. It's like a shelf mushroom that grows on um, the side of trees. And the artist bracket in particular, I was learning about it that, that day, I think, when we were doing this. It, it You could eat it, but it's super leathery. Uh, you'd have to boil it for a really long time. You can make tea from it, I believe. Double check that. Don't ever eat anything that I say to eat besides that is a mushroom so I can't get in trouble but also you shouldn't uh, you don't ever eat any raw mushrooms first of all and then also if there's a lot there's some mushrooms that you can totally just look up online what it is and go eat it and everybody's like you can't do it you can't do it I'm like fuck fuck why not uh, but there are some mushrooms that have lookalike species that will make you very sick or could make your dog sick or you know whatever but this one uh, is very cool because if you flip it over the hairy underside uh, gill like place where the spores shoot out you can draw very distinctly with you can get down like a real fine line on it and uh old um uh older um humans and indigenous peoples and stuff will will still do it and we did it for a really long time i wish i could make a joke about you can already do that in your chest hair but you don't have any chest hair wow way to fucking make me look real not manly in front of all these (laughs) all of our friends listening to this (laughs) Like these have people have never hair. seen your chest. You used to play shirtless all the time. That's true, I did. And I do have one chest hair, thank you. His name's Adam. <laughs> I treat him very well. He gets conditioned. <laughs> do you think if I did that thing where you put your thumb in between a scissor blade and you and I pulled it like this, it would be all curly? <laughs> like one of those. Like, like a ribbon at Christmas? <laughs> Yes, or you'd pull it out and never get him back. Uh, don't scare me like Sorry. that. Sorry. <laughs> it's a real possibility. Yeah, I wonder if I'll ever get chest hair. Maybe someday. Maybe when I'm 43. Or 63 when you have the or open heart surgery. Or 63 when I have the open heart surgery. Yeah, maybe I'll have a plant some in there for me. <laughs> uh, Dirty Pete says, if there wasn't a pandemic, would y'all do some shows for 10 years of Chamberlain Waits? We didn't have any planned. I did like how we framed the question. Yeah, that was good. Thanks, Dirty Pete. Uh, oh, all right. So my friend Orlando Barros from high school, who said we used to sit with at, at lunchtime, a good buddy of mine who I have not spoken with in years, said, greatest memory about going to D.C. with Mr. Curry our senior year. He said, go. Uh, Ford's Theater was really fucking cool where Lincoln got shot. We went and saw a satirist. Satirist? Satirist? You're the English. You're the one getting the, the MFA. How do you? How do you? Satirist Sat- is my guess. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, satirist play and that was so tiny and the balcony that Lincoln got shot in was just you know it was just crazy because it was really really close so if you were there you probably would have got his brain on you Oy. you know would you keep it you know the those motherfuckers matter. did that <laughs> you know you always hear that listen to those po- like murder podcasts uh, about how people would just like rage a house and steal everything and, and there like, was no eBay then the, so yeah. I don't know <laughs> so go on eBay again. <laughs> It's always like people write in with the story. Yeah, my aunt gave me the curtain from that house because she fucking stole it the next morning or whatever. You know those people were putting 
pieces of Lincoln's brain in their pocket. Probably telling their neighbors to pay a quid to come see it. That's how they made money, not off it eBay. It wasn't in England. Oops. I know. I'm sorry. I but if they had a quid, I made maybe up- they were English. Maybe they charged English people. <laughs> uh, the other one of my other favorite memories was we it was it snowed a lot that weekend, like more than DC ever gets. So the entire city shut down. But also it was like a youth leadership conference that was another conference that was going on next to it. And all these kids in school buses came out, they just piled out and they're all from the south and other places then they had never seen snow before and they immediately just started freaking out, throwing snowballs, doing snow angels, and they just seemed so happy and I'll never forget that. That was cool. And then, of course, smoking six because I was 18 on that trip. So we bought cigarettes for everybody, and our teacher was like, smoke them if you got them, because like, he's real cool. And he didn't expect everybody to just start smoking cigarettes, and that was, that was cool. It was neat. It was neat. Bad boy. And I also remember hanging out with uh, Drew in, in Orlando and all those guys, and that was really cool. That was fucking awesome. Uh, someone named If I Were a Detective, what did you enjoy the most about your most recent UK tour? What did you enjoy the most about living there? Uh, Preta Manger. All the foods that <laughs> were so good and like Indian food and Brick Lane. And now I feel like I can just get all that in the U.S. True. I haven't been back to the U.K. since living there in 2010. I so. know. We got to go back together. It was so yeah. fun. But yeah, my favorite part about this most recent time was seeing my friends there. Because um, the first time that we went was 10 years ago. So it's been 10 years of some of my good, good friends. Um just you know they happen to be in england from that first tour that we went to and the other thing was going to see oxford which is basically a super old city still in the sense that a lot of the buildings are still a lower height um all of the like infrastructure of the university is still all old and castly and the most shocking part was the fact that you could see all the stars in the city so there wasn't that much light pollution that was really cool and we just went to a bunch of bars that uh you know were hundreds of years old and had all these famous scientists and writers ties on the wall and shit it was cool what university would you be a professor at if you were if this was another life or in a future time in your life oh man i don't know my parents met at penn state and all of my brothers and sisters went there and they have one of the um uh big mycology programs boom so probably penn state's where you went yep but i don't know i don't really want to live out there i'd rather be a professor in the city boom Boom, boom, Scott. I mean, it could, you could be a pen professor. Okay. How you described Oxford. Yeah, how I described Oxford, just based on that. Yeah, we'll see. In that, I will never be a professor. Don't speak too soon. That'd be fun, though. I can see it now. Yeah, I'd be like, how to negotiate with border guards. <laughs> how to. <laughs> Almost, all of my stories immediately went to ones that I don't really want to know. <laughs> Um, yo, Jeremiah Paulson project, favorite memories about hot topic. It's one of the first places I could go, you know, it's like one of the first places you were like, there's, I can identify myself by going here and looking at punk stuff or getting punk stuff. We used to go there and steal CDs that had the brackets on them and then go into the, the, the mall, uh, the Steamtown malls parking garage and smash the brackets off. And then we would go, we would look at what the older kids had written on their jackets and then go in and steal those CDs. So, first two I remember stealing were Bad Religion. Sorry, Brett, who <laughs> owns our record label, uh, and Milo goes to college. 
which one time we were playing a show at a festival in New York and we looked over and Milo was on the side of the stage and he was singing our fucking songs. Probably, you know, greatest day ever. You died inside a little bit? Yeah, I was born anew. (laughs) And if you're like me and you weren't really punk or maybe never have been actually, you just got body glitter from there. That's pretty cool. Loose body glitter that you lick your finger and then put it on the little opening in the bottle and then rub it on, on your, your eyelids belly button, on your eyelids yeah with the white eyeliner and for the seventh grade dance damn pull your thong out before you walk in <laughs> just whale tailing all the boys <laughs> they want it of course they did uh why doc 311 my friend mark uh said will we ever get a live album so we have a running thing a joke about live albums we have fucked up at frankie's in uh, ohio Maxed out at Max and Lansing, all of the like, like kind of secondary city, trashier rock clubs that we played at. We always try to make a joke that we're just gonna get as fucked up as possible and play the play the show. And then we tried it at Frankie's Inner City, and it sounded so bad and wasn't funny. So uh, we probably won't do that, but who knows? Someone unearth and leak that. Stat. It's impossible. I think it's on a hard drive inside of a. Vault? No, inside <laughs> of our, uh, a, a, a mixer that we use. I was just going to get through the whole thing, but nobody, it doesn't matter where it is. No. Nope. It's not seen a lot of day. It's probably deleted. Actually, it's probably on Dave March's computer. But uh, yeah, that just wasn't even funny. But it seems like a lot of bands release live albums. We're not a band that's that, you know, the, showman, the showmanship is not extraordinary. And our, we don't improvise our songs, you know, we don't really do stuff that would make the live album anything but like a crappy recording of what we already did. And it would be cool to kind of pick a bunch of different shows, maybe string together some of the best moments of it and put it out. But it seems to me like most punk bands only release a live album if they are hilarious um, or if they are trying to get out of a contract. Ooh. Yeah. How? I don't get it, but. You owe us another record. Okay, here's a uh, live yeah. record. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why don't you do an intentional live set where you basically take on a fish persona where you like play 20 minute guitar solos and explain to the audience like, yeah, we're just doing a live album. You know, this is what we have to do. That's a good idea. I was definitely kidding. Also get framing it as a live album. I mean, like we're going to play all these weird other songs and different versions of them. Yeah. That could be cool. Also know. get like three or four different people to propose on stage because that's that's Not, gone really oh well in the past. <laughs> so this kid comes on stage and he says uh, he he's he holds up a sign and he says, "Can I play this song or whatever? Can I propose my girlfriend?" Something like that. It was nice things, I think. Was nice things, yeah. yeah. So we brought him up to play it, and he's giving a speech, and he's he's pretty, you know, he's a, he's he's a pretty knuckleheaded guy. He's got like he's sweatpants, like, shorts on. Late twenties, maybe early twenties. He could have been fourteen and he could have been thirty-five. <laughs> I don't, he was one of those. He had one of those faces. And for context, this was in Delaware. This was in Delaware at the Queen. First time we ever played with, which is a great venue, by the way. I can't believe I haven't really been back there. Uh, which first show we ever played with Mac and Pussy. Mm-hmm. And this kid gets up and he's like looking down the crowd and, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, I want to propose to my girlfriend." And he points at her and he goes, "She's the dikey one over there." This is in front of everyone. In front of an entire place. And we were like, no, everyone's like, you can't (gasps) say that. Don't just, you're going to make people very upset. It's inappropriate. It's your fiance. Hopefully Um, she said no. No, she was very excited. They probably have the greatest relationship ever. (laughs) 
Well, good. He also didn't redeem himself by playing songs. No, because then we let it keep going. We're like, oh man, this guy's just said, you know, he used a homophobic slur on stage. This is like, ugh. But yeah, then he tried to play the song and he couldn't even play the song. You literally had to bear hug him while playing it around him. Yeah, well, yeah. So that was why no one is allowed to ever propose on stage again. Except for the live album. Except for the live album, which is going to have three equally devastating proposals. <laughs> but there's a development that uh, I was uh, that kid sent me a message on Instagram like this week. What? Yeah. So, and I know it was him because the message came up, and it turns out he had sent a message before that asking. To, to come up it. on stage and play and propose. Maybe he would have been more practiced if he, if if he had I answered said, it. If I advanced. answered him, yeah. I didn't answer or him less on. hammered. <laughs> now I usually just don't answer anything. That's, that's a true. good, well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was that was a whole thing. So that's why we don't do proposals on stage anymore. <laughs> I wanted you'd be surprised how often we get asked. We get asked a lot. There's a lot of risk going on with that, you know? Yeah. Somebody might not... Someone might be trying to salvage the relationship by doing that when they fuck the relationship up, you know? Awkward. We see, I remember we watched a, uh, a YouTube compilation of people getting rejected Ooh, for, while they're proposing. Public. Yeah. And yeah. the people who were getting proposed to were like violently angry about it or mm-hmm. like super mad. And it makes me think they probably are just like cheated on them and they're mm-hmm. trying to save the relationship. So, you know, you never know that because we get a lot of, we get a lot of weird emails. Uh, we have, so we have some of the greatest fans in the world, uh, that everyone always says that but we really do. Our fans are pretty fucking cool. They don't, they're like the teachers and the, the fucking civil engineers. And there's my friend, uh, Bruno who does a lot of our poster artwork, um, and has done a bunch of, bunch of t-shirts and shit first in the fast in the past. He's really, he's fucking awesome. He sent me a picture of a dude, uh, with the car- walking down the street with a big old cooler that had like you know Iron Workers Local ninety nine and he had a Menzinger sticker on his cooler and I was like that's badass that's cool we got cool fans you know mm-hmm. um, but some people who email us are are a little bit much and a lot of it is totally like some girl being like I fucked a relationship up I want to save it or more so a guy doing that and sometimes they're just like they send you really heavy stuff like you know these are all these problems I'm experiencing. Like, can you do whatever for me? And a lot of times it's kind of tough because you don't know what you can do for them. I think it's because you guys are so approachable. Like you don't have star complex or people don't feel like you're that distant. Yeah. And that brings the crazy out. That's what our shtick is kind of, you know, people are always, a lot of bands have like either, I don't know, not a shtick in the, the, the sense of like, I'm not going to name any bands because I don't want to insult them even if I think their shtick is really cool. Um, ours is kind of like we look, I always looked at it as we kind of look like, you know, your cousin's boyfriend's band. You know, we're just like the people that you knew that you grew up with that made it. I think that's really always was an appeal, appealing thing for us. I will say that I've gotten an enormous amount of requests to record videos for people's birthdays. Mm-hmm. And that's very easy. So I like doing that. Hell yeah. I hope I didn't just solicit a bunch of people to ask me. <laughs> it's fun. You're just like, yeah, what up? What else do you have to do in quarantine? Actually, a lot. <laughs> Actually, surprisingly, a lot. You can really prioritize. Also, I love how you said you were going to not have your computer go to sleep. And... I did, and it just went. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, Janelle, peanut butter and Janelle, your mom, Janelle Downey, says spring or fall? Spring. Just not spring 2020, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Any other spring. Every other spring. Yeah, I like fall. Yeah. But caveat, fucking hate the winter. Yeah. So I should say spring because I really like the summer. No, you just, you do you. Yeah, Why do you like fall? 
Uh, it's inherently nostalgic. It is a time for death, but a time for new. So a lot Ooh. of the trees are dying, but also it's like when you start the school year, when you're prepping for, uh, that's actually, that's the only new thing I could think of that happens in the fall <laughs> right now. Um, football. Football. I really liked Halloween growing up. Ooh. Hell yeah. Not like the way where I like Halloween all year, you know, like yeah. people that are really into that stuff, but. You're not spoopy all I'm year? <laughs> I am not spoopy Crappy. all year. Spoopy. <laughs> all right. Uh, SCP-0426 <laughs> asks, do you feel the Menzingers have made it? Because get it? Because their name is a series of letters yes. and numbers. They would have a robot voice. Yes. Got it. Right? Isn't that yeah. a good joke? Yeah, but you stole my thunder because my whole thing is, yeah, you fucking made it. Because why would I be with you if you <laughs> hadn't made it? What am I? Some non-making it pre-wife? Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, the answer is, yeah, I fucking made it. I've had a, I work playing a band as my job uh, with my best buds. And I get to take my friend's bands on tour with me all over the world. And it's fucking sick. And you get to employ your friends? Yeah, we get to employ all the people who work for us and work with us are fucking awesome. And we get to pay them and it's cool. <laughs> and also, I've been able to have basically free reign. It, it's a very just, we're just accountable to ourselves and to each other rather than having to be accountable to um a visible hierarchical structure with somebody that you know i don't have a boss that i didn't pick you know my boss is the rest of the bands and vice versa for all of them so it's pretty fucking cool and liberating it has its downs but it's pretty fucking up it's pretty amazing that you guys have been together for so long it is 15 years basically yeah yeah pretty wild Time for a career change. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get it? Well, maybe I'll make a LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I can help you with that. Nice. All these skills that I've, what are the skills I've acquired? Walking through large groups of people in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Getting from one place to another in the venue. Uh, Remembering a lot of people's names. I do have to remember a lot of people's names, but there's like Facebook and shit now, you know, yeah. so you could just look them up. Uh, I'm really good at the highways, <laughs> but there's maps everywhere. <laughs> Are you saying you're antiquated, basically? Yeah, I'm saying I need to reskill in this <laughs> pandemic, which is why we're gardening. Yeah. I grab my oyster mushrooms. One of my, oh, motherfucker, one of my big bulk substrates, one of my grain spawns that I made from oyster mushrooms was infected with trichoderma green mold, and I had to throw it away. It's my baby. Sorry, babe. We do live in like a 120-year-old house. True. And it's very close, and I don't have a, 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 a what's it called, a laminar flow hood. Which oh, I'm going we to, talked about this. Yeah, my brother is a chemical engineer. He's fucking awesome, and we're going to build a laminar flow hood for my birthday this year. All right, depending on... And we'll have a big negotiation of where in the house we're going to put it. Pre or post-quarantine, if, if that's... I'm going to break the quarantine. <laughs> or maybe we could build it together on Zoom. <laughs> No, I mean, I can't handle different things during quarantine, so. Fair enough. It's ambitious, but we found, we figured out a way that we could probably make one for like 300 bucks. So granted, there's not a massive economic collapse. I can save each month and build myself a laminar flow hood for my birthday. Which there is basically, yeah, sorry. It's basically a 
mm, a filter that blows air uh, in a, a, a mat, like a mathematical way that creates laminar flow that stops microorganisms from being able to infect my different my oyster mushrooms, my shiitakes, my lion's mane. I'm trying to think if I care less about that or the gear questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Diet water. Y2K. <laughs> Pretty sick name. Are there any stories behind the cover art you guys choose for your albums? Yeah. Each, each one has a different story. Um, we could do a whole episode on just those. First one was drawn by our friend, um, our friend Jack's Jack Hughes, his older brother, Evan Hughes is a, is a extremely talented, extremely talented artist. Uh, illustrator and sculptor and woodworker in northeastern Pennsylvania. You can find him uh, online. I love following him. Evan Hughes art. He's got such a cool fucking style. He did the mural inside of the Scranton Wilkesbury Red Baron Stadium. Um, he, yeah, we, he, so cool. And then the rest of them are different photographs. The most recent one was by a photographer named Pamela Litke, who also is a filmmaker and just put out a, 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 a documentary that she'd been working on for like ten years or longer, maybe called. Um, most likely to succeed. Mm -hmm. I would check that out if I were you guys for sure. Um, and then some of the other ones, the ones that we're, we're more known for are a photographer from Northeastern Pennsylvania from an earlier generation named Mark Cohen, who has uh, got some really cool shit. And, you know, he lived in New York for a while. Um, and the after the party artwork, uh, I believe Greg found. It's an old photo from Asbury Park. And actually, if you look closely, you can see four people maybe. A fucking ghost. Yeah, he's a ghost in it. Yeah, you, you feel like this is just the central figure, but in reality, if you look closer, you can find several people. And then uh, the Chamberlain Waits, he's just freaking out. The Chamberlain Waits, our dog's freaking out. Chamberlain Waits artwork, uh, Eric put together. It's a series of pictures that we and our friends took. Um, a lot of them are from this little red digital camera that I got before we went to the West Coast for the first time when Broadway Calls took us there, and then we put them in film strips across the front of that one. All right, Bobby Barnett. Who just did a stage? Oh, thank you. I was clicking the pen again. I get nervous, or just you know whatever. fixated. Fixated. Uh, Bobby Barnett, the great Bobby Barnett. Just watched him play a stage at show today. He says top five places to eat in Philly and top five places to eat in Scranton. Tough. It is tough. I wrote them out because I figured it would be really oh, tough. Oh yeah, do you still have them? Yeah, uh, lunch cart for Philly. Lunch cart, like any of the regular lunch carts. I just love to get. You know, there's a couple of things that are really nostalgic for me for getting over the last, you know, 12, 12 or so years here. Uh, Tattooed Moms, Los Gallos, Veg, and I'm going to switch to the Tasty for sure. Well, I fucking love the Tasty. Not that it's an order, but Little Sicily, or no, not Little Sicily, um, Little Pete's. Ah, Little Pete's is also Has a Has to huge be, one. it's definitely one of mine. Yeah, that's a, our secret diner spot that we go to. And, and dine great. with very old people. Yeah, one time we went there and I had to send a, a cell phone picture to everyone. So it's in a building called the Philadelphian over by the art museum. And inside of the building is definitely, it's not a, it's like a retirement community of some kind, but not in the traditional sense. It's mm -hmm. just like a really ritzy building. Other people of, can live there too. Yeah, other people yeah. can live there too. There's businesses in there. Um, but yeah, the, the diner is like, you know, you get your soup, your salad, your meal, your dessert, and a drink. And it's like 20 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's delicious. It's run by an old Greek guy that they used to have another one downtown that I used to go eat at all the time after going out to the bars when we first, we first moved here. But it's always just me, you, and then tons of super old people just gossiping and like complaining and 
talking about the news and shit. And it's just really fun to, to be in that environment and see what the future might look like, you know? With like 10 walkers waiting outside. With like, yeah, with, the, with, the, with the, the tennis balls on the bottom and stuff. <laughs> and they always have their kid there visiting them. It's, and there's sometimes it'll be like, you know, four generations of people just eating, eating eggplant parms. Yeah. So cool. And for Scranton, I got to put Nikki's Hoagies, Rosanna's, Maroney's, Backyard Ale House, and then the generic church picnics. Something I did not grow up with. No. Despite being very Catholic. Yeah, I just assumed that that was, it was a very community-oriented function. It was they, they would raise so much money. So when we were kids, you know, my parents were both, they're all six members of my family would be working at them. You know, Shannon would be washing dishes. I'd be at one of the tables. Everybody's working somewhere. I think at that point, my dad might have, like, worked in the office of it. But, yeah, it's a big community function where there's gambling, drinking, um, lots of really cool ethnic foods from Italian, uh, a lot of the Eastern European, a lot of Polish food. It was all really good. And then that was one of the funny culture shocks of leaving Scranton was realizing that the rest of the world didn't just eat that way. <laughs> Especially when we first started a tour, we'd be like, you guys never heard of pierogies before? What the? These wings suck. You eat them with ranch? Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> uh, my sister, Shannon. What's your go-to media source, media resource, or like go-to place to get your info? About I coronavirus. Guess about everything. At the time, yeah. Oh, man. What a like weighted and pointing question. Tom hates media. I fucking hate media. That's why I'm marrying a journalist. <laughs> Such a good idea. That can change the system. Fuck the, the patriarchy. <laughs> uh, nine. I get it. I don't hate the media. I do. Yeah, I think that the what the media's become is just like, and it's hard to say the media, you know, you can't really just say that, but a lot of 24 hour news networks, um, and the way that they capitalize on the information governed by print media and then turn it into uh, emotional fodder for seventh grade people, you know, it's just, it's disgusting and it appeals to some of the worst parts inside of us. Some of the most, you know, the, all of the bad parts of tribalism and it's just fucking insane. And with, the advent of social media, you can get a voice that doesn't have the financial backing or isn't destroyed uh, or, or put down. You can get a lot more stories out that way, but then you also, you're creating echo chambers. You have like the the chipping away at the people that we would normally trust, like the, the New York Times, who still do trust, uh, but at the same time, you know, they've been shown over and over again to, 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 to carry the same narratives, you know? But to answer the question and not pontificate, would be that I get a lot of my news from uh, podcasters that I really like, the, their guests that they have on. I'll follow those guests' social medias that I really like, and uh, a couple of different subreddits that I follow is usually where it goes. And we subscribe to, um, in, this, in this house, we subscribe to uh, the New York Times, and so we also uh, get the Inquirer, and I read the Inquirer every morning. Even if, it, if you, even if I just look at the first two or three pages or just look at the newsletter, Um yeah, I think it's it's crazy. I, I would can't recommend looking at your getting it uh, your local paper enough. You, like we did it when growing up, there's a copy of the Scranton Times on our table every every single day, and we were encouraged actively by our parents to read it, um, which was you know really cool. And, and even just getting the Inquirer over the last year, it's got great national stories. Great, you know, were they an AP paper or whatever? I mean, everyone's gonna pull from AP to okay. fill certain. Yeah, I don't know how that shit worked. And- uh, so yeah, the, you know, you get a lot of the aggregated stories or whatever, but then some of the local things that you don't realize you, you really can kind of plug into the community, even in a, a city that's as big and as Philadelphia, just reading a local paper, you feel it shrinks it a lot, you know, like, uh, it's 
pretty freaking cool, man. And if you don't buy it now, there probably won't be one and in if you a don't buy it few now, years. There won't be one. You know, I still don't get the fucking brackets, man. I got to try to get you and a bunch of other journalists to explain to me. Sometimes they just put random phrases and or or well, nouns no. in brackets, and I don't know why. I've told you this a million I thought times. I thought they added it in, but they didn't. Things add it in, in brackets are supposed to clarify a quote. Yeah, but so, what if they said add, the thing that's in the black brackets? It, if it's in brackets, it means it's not a direct quote. It's not a part of the direct quote. Oh, so they didn't say it. So they didn't say it. So the journalist is either clarifying what they said in the brackets or adding something to clarify the overall statement. Oh, uh, okay. Because oftentimes I look at it and I'm like, so the, if the journalist added what they said, <laughs> then if, but if it wasn't there, the sentence that they said doesn't make any sense. And a lot of people talk that way and that's what fucking sucks. I probably talk that way, I guess. I mean, probably not, but yeah. people get nervous and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for teaching. That was the teaching portion of, of the podcast. And today. I'm probably wrong. Brought to and you by Reuters. Aubrey would know better. Yeah. Well, I asked all you guys and Aubrey and I, I still did. Now I hope you didn't I remember. I didn't remember. Uh, and Tunde, uh, her fiance, her pre-husband said, asks, what does BA do to keep busy while you're on tour? Yeah. You get to sit back and, sit and drink back and- some water on this one. Yeah. Hello. Um, when you're on tour, I lead a very different life. I am very much less social. I do lots of schoolwork and regular work and walking the dog and hiking and other stuff. And I try to schedule out my day so I don't feel like I'm wasting time. Um, but yeah, it's a very different lifestyle. But I am an only child, so it does help to have some time alone to an only child <laughs> yeah I don't think you dive too hard into the the only child stigmas yeah it's just you're pretty mindful of your surroundings and I think I chose well with how your profession gives me that uh, couple two tree weeks couple tree. but six weeks too many don't like it yeah way too many all right so uh, my dear friend Ryan McKenna who I've been communicating with a lot more recently uh, said favorite house plant I don't know the name. I really like our aloe plant. Yeah, the aloe plant's really fucking yeah. cool. And one time you had a really bad sunburn, we cracked it open, used that, and it worked better than anything I've ever seen. That and we're gonna, really cool. And we're going to make our own sanitizer. Make with our it. own hand sanitizer. I'm going to get a still, <laughs> make some 100%. Uh, well, you can just use a rolling pin and roll it out. <laughs> Hell yeah. Just squeeze all the aloe. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is ivy. My mom uh, gave me an ivy plant that was uh, from my grandma. It's apparently very, very old. It's like a decades old tree. Which one? I'm, that's that's none of the ones over there are ivy, so sorry. Oh, well, what's that called? The I real, don't know. Well, it's not an ivy. It's one that looks like an ivy. The hangy plant. The hangy plant. <laughs> you're you're running the mill hangy plants. I'm going to look it up and I'll <laughs> the say it. are hardy and don't die yeah. easily. Uh, Christian Marone, what are you doing to stay positive and keep that PMA, PMA throughout such a scary time? Um, I do, I still see my, uh, psychologist through tele, teleconferencing, even though it's not a telephone, it's digital, whatever. Yeah. That, uh, 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 keeping that up has been a huge help for me because I didn't know if we were going to be able to do that. Um, and if you're ever looking to find some help, the best resource that I've found is psychology today's website. I think it's just psychology.com. They have a incredible this is how i found mine an incredible um search feature that you can organize by insurance or not having insurance sliding scale uh cost age specialty um you know 
uh, uh, gender, like all of that shit uh, for a therapist and that, yeah, I can't recommend that enough if you're looking to sort some help out like that. But besides that, uh, staying active physically, I'm in a really cool group chat with um, uh, uh, my brother where we, you know, maintain our um, physical fitness and, and shit like that, which is really important. And also just doing little Zoom meetings with my homies and being with you. That's how I keep, that's how I've kept the PMA. I wonder what our answer to this question was two weeks ago. It was probably, it was not good. <laughs> and that's probably why I was like, no, we can't do this. I started rambling. It was because I did the, the media one into that and I've got a real, real mm-hmm. curmudgeon real fast, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, and you get chatty because you're drunk too. I was so. drunk and I get real chatty when I'm drunk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jake Amadori, what's your go-to delay pedal? The Boss DD7. Right now I use a Timeline uh, by Strymon, and it colors the sound incredibly. It's most functional. Well, it's most, it has more possibilities than anything I've ever had before. It's overwhelming at times. Um, but the DD7 is one that I fly with. It's what I just brought to Australia, and it's just a, a great um, digital delay pedal that you can kind of just get it to do whatever you want. And it's pretty, like, true-sounding. On the other side, it doesn't really color it too much. What's your go-to delay pedal, Bethan? Wow. Uh, Getting Warmer asks, why did you choose photography as another artistic pursuit? Why did you choose Fujifilm as a system? So for the first question, uh, I love photography. I always have. I loved having like a little, I had a little Hulk Hogan camera when I was a kid that would superimpose Hulk Hogan into the corner of it. And that was super cool. And it just, it was something that, was a mystifying technology that allowed you to, to see, to see the world. And what I did was, uh, I took this course, the certificate program through Michigan state university hosted by Coursera.org. And while your guys are at home, I cannot recommend going on to Coursera. Um, uh, I also realized today some of the local art schools like Fleischer, um, and the Philadelphia photo art center are starting to offer some online classes, but the Coursera is free. You can go on there take a, you know, some badass university level course. And I learned, so I took five, courses and to get the certificate program and I learned so much about photography and walked away with an immense um cachet of vocabulary and skills that I've been able to, to carry forward that is so fucking fun and so why did I choose Fujifilm as a system so for anybody who might not know you can when, when you get a camera you you're buying into the system so the lenses are made for that camera um you know some the accessories are thank you jack the pen out of my hand again the accessories are made for the camera. The lens is made for the camera. You could get adapters, and there are third-party companies that make the lenses for the camera. But for the most part, people seem to kind of like brand themselves or systematize themselves within it. And you got your Canons, your Nikons, your Olympus, your Pentax, like all that shit. And I choose I chose Fujifilm because it, a lot of the camera and the Sony is a really cool one. That's the second one. I almost went with Sony. They had really cool shit. But the Fujifilm one looks hipsterish, you know. It looks classic. It, it, a lot of the actual controls are still manual buttons, and I really like that aspect of it, being able to to grab them and feel them and move them instead of having to access the menu, which at times can be a little mystifying. And I also do do most of my shooting like on the road, on tour, um, backstage, walking around Philly, that kind of shit. And it's easy. It's not. It's a lot easier to just switch and move the shit like that instead of having to kind of like bury into a menu. And it's a little bit more rugged seeming, you know, it's like easier to kind of navigate in those more um, not as set up situations. It's cool, you know, and they also just, you know, they made like some other cool music shit and stuff. So Um, we're winding down, getting a little over an hour, getting into these questions. Crunchy mom of two. 
What are your thoughts on the corona? Do you think it's a lot more than just a virus going on? Uh, I would say I don't know what the context of the question is, but I would say no and yes. So no, and then I don't think that it is um, some kind of manufactured ploy or that it doesn't exist, which is I'm super into conspiracy theories. I love them for entertainment. I love some of them for the ones that are true uh, is even is even better. Uh, for me, and there's a lot of people saying that some of the best ones I ever I heard were that on April 29th there's an asteroid. There is an asteroid. I guess it's going to pass by Earth very closely, and then everyone's saying that it's a way to get everybody inside in preparation for that because it's actually going to hit Earth. That's been my favorite conspiracy theory so far. But you know we are in a situation where you have people like Bill Gates, who is by all accounts seemingly a really good person, who's donating all of this, uh, all of his money, and has this agenda to. He's been ringing the pandemic bell for a long time. At the same time, what they, you know, his foundation did in India with some of the kids is like a little shady. The idea that he was talking on a Reddit AMA about um, a company that he either owns or invests in is called ID2020 and possibly that the vaccine that is eventually comes out with this would come along with some kind of IDing technology so that you would be able to uh, tell whether or not someone had been vaccinated or these ideas of immunity certificates are all kind of, you know, draconian Orwellian ideas of if you were able to take away that person's, um, can't turn that chip off for lack of a better word or take away their certificate, it could become something that is a, removes you from economic and social participation. You know, this is like a, 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 a hard government's wet dream. Uh, and there's also that for me, the idea that these new strict movement, uh, strict restrictions on our, our movements, which there needs to be in place according to all scientists to, to help prevent the spread of this. And it makes total sense to me, but governments historically don't seem to give back these kind of powers and measures when they get them. So places like, we got the guy in Hungary, um, Turkey. I'm not sure exactly what's going on in Brazil. I'm not going to talk about it then. But, you know, after September 11th, we introduced the Patriot Act, and it was supposed to, you know, the idea is that the it had an expiration, and it has been renewed and strengthened. The executive branch has more power than they did when we started. So it's, I don't see, it, I could see it being a, a slippery fucking slope. But at the same time, there's a global pandemic, and lots of people are getting very sick, and lots of people are dying. So I'm definitely willing to participate in whatever it takes to, to help ease that for people. And uh, I certainly do think it's a very real threat. And as each day goes on and we learn more about it, it, uh, you know, it solidifies that. And well then, set. Oh, oh, thanks. Just needed to throw something in there. Sup. Sup. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked in like three questions. Yeah. Just kidding. Imagine but. how I answer. I would have answered that question. Two weeks ago. Two weeks yeah. ago when I was in a dark place and was hammered. Well, release the that for a fee. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you you subscribe to the Patreon. You can hear my uh, uh, my uh, cringeworthy... Rambling. Orwellian ramble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my friend Phil Ohm says, how does this end? And I don't know, man. I really have no idea. Hopefully it ends with us having a much greater respect for... Um, microorganisms and their potentiality to completely destroy our economy and our, our, our lives and, and our bodies. Uh, what I'm hoping the, the positive that comes out of it could be that we now have a, another national experience that we 
can look back on together at the same time. So international, global. In, yeah, international, global uh, uh, traumatic experience, similar to what happened in the states for nine eleven. And you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different ideas, identities, and tribes in the United States and in the world. And one thing that does highlight the fact that we are all human and together is an experience like this. And I hope that we can take that and not be overwhelmed by the trauma and not splintered into um, different factions that fear each other, which is, seems to be you know what we've been doing forever. And hopefully we can use it to move forward and um, overall increasing the love and empathy that we have for each other. I think that, that is, that's how I hope it ends. And let's fix fix our fucking healthcare system. Yeah, Jesus, that's the <laughs> fucking hell, man. They're like, well, why weren't the hospitals prepared with masks? It's like, oh, what? It's for a for profit company is going to spend a shit ton of money to have their ICU Stockpile. bed ratio to uh, a population up higher. Fuck that. Shit, crazy. And then, uh, so saved a couple for the end. We've got. Oh, I missed this one. Uh, my friend Jack friend of the show says solid state or tube amp i'm gonna go tube amp but i am gonna say that these solid state amps starting to sound pretty fucking good and that i think there might be a swing in the pendulum back to the sound uh a pop made popular by some of the introduction of the solid state amps and some of the ones that were more popular in the 90s like some of those pvs and shit like that um which i was always a fan of i think that's pretty cool but i would say tube amp because you can't get that nostalgic sound or that kind of response at least as far as i've heard um, and break up out of a solid state amp. What do you think? <laughs> Love it. Uh, Anika actually asked, she wants to know how you guys feel about water sports. More specifically, do you have a preferred water sport? I'm going to let you answer this. I surfed a, a time once. It was fun. <laughs> uh, I also, when I was like in seventh or eighth grade, back to like the hot topic glitter times, uh, skimboarded. Thought I was super cool. Hung out I mean, with some that's bros. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love water. You not so much. <laughs> <laughs> and you, did you run a swimmer? Oh, I know, yeah. It was yeah. a swimmer. Yeah. But that was boring. Kind of defined <laughs> your like your high school clique in a little bit, right? Yeah. But someday I will be a uh, retired beach lifeguard. Yeah. Can't I wonder wait. if it'll be at the point where you could be the lifeguard, but you're more so a robot's handler. Like the robot uh, is the lifeguard and you're just mind. So I don't put myself in jeopardy. Well, here's what I'm thinking. You're retired, you know, are older. you calling me old? No, this is a hypothetical future <laughs> at 30 or 40 years from now, I guess 40 or 50 years from now at the rate we're going for oh, retirement, retirement yeah, social security, maybe 50 years from now, <laughs> but there'll be a robot that can do it and you just mind the robot. So you're the lifeguard, but you guys are a team. Sounds pretty cool. Then I wouldn't have to do all those intense workouts to like stay in shape. I could be a fat, old, tan, sedentary lifeguard. Well, yeah, you could do that, but you have to save the life. You have to save the robot lifeguard in case you know you'd have to service oh, that. What I'm oh, thinking here's the situation. Yeah. You know how they program the robots in the sci-fi stories with the list of rules that they no, can't. No, I don't know that. <laughs> Not everyone knows that. Well, yeah, the idea, you know, like you can't hurt humans under any circumstance, like that kind of shit. Like Westworld. Like West, yeah. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, this is get, this is going to be gearing up a lot like Westworld. <laughs> so, in the, except in this situation, you're the hum, the robot's handler, but what you really do is you could just make the, um, the uh, moral decisions for the robot. So you're actually just... 
uh, accountable for the robot. All right. So like in that Will Smith movie where it has to choose between saving Will Smith and saving the kid that is drowning, the robot saves Will Smith because it calculated that the likelihood of Will Smith's survival was higher than the likelihood of the kid's survival. So they saved Will Smith. That's why Will Smith hated robots and he shot them and stuff all the time. Then he ended up befriending the robots, stopping the evil robot revolution. So you're basically Will Smith in this future. All right. Well, I don't really want to be. Let's just (laughs) keep it manual. Okay, fair enough. Uh, And Roger asked a series of questions. I'm just going to nail down on one of them. What are some things you've realized you took for granted since you've been in lockdown? Damn. And we'll wrap it up with this one. Uh, I definitely am never going to be like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to go out tonight. I'm going to fucking go out every (laughs) night that is possible. Yeah. And I also was thinking about how when we were watching Roger's show at Boon Saddle, I forget exactly what show that was, but... It was with Tim Barry. Okay. It was uh, the day before I went to Australia? Yeah, just or the week sometime. Yeah, week I think it was... Might have, yeah, it was very... It was day. the first time that everyone was just talking seriously about... Yeah, yeah, but I was ser- I was like, this might be the last show, and it fucking was, and so I miss... That's, I mean, yeah. I definitely t- took shows for granted, so I'm going to go to more shows. I'm going to lift my... Uh, rule about not buying tickets to shows in advance when they're on weeknights because I'm old. <laughs> and usually when that date comes around, I don't want to go. Yeah, you're a weeknight walk-up. We call it in the biz. What does that mean? Uh, oh, yeah. We don't yeah. actually call it that. We call them walk-ups, but yeah. Yeah, that was me, and it, it'll still be me, but I'll remember quarantine. <laughs> yeah, right? I I'll think, walk up more. Yeah. <laughs> you will be a weekday walk-up. No, you'll be a pre-sold you'll be a weekday pre-sold i'm just gonna stop with that one <laughs> i uh what i've been taking for granted I, I i think i just realized is that i talking to strangers mm, you love you fucking love talking I'm a to chatty, strangers i'm a chatty guy in know? multiple languages yeah i like talking to strangers and you know hopefully not too uh, obnoxious of, obnoxious of a way but we're very social beings i think and we get the information from our world from what the people around us and what they do and watching them do it. You know, that's why the fucking everybody started stockpiling toilet paper. One person did it in one car and everybody was like, well, that's how I have to behave too. Cause now clearly there's not gonna be any toilet paper left. It doesn't have to do with the fact that people are afraid they're not gonna be able to wipe their ass. Cause you know, why wouldn't they stockpile something that was more useful? <laughs> like why didn't people stockpile Tylenol or like fucking, what do we like in America? Soda and pasta. <laughs> I mean, they definitely stockpiled the pasta. Yeah, too. they did. And somebody sent me and me making fun of me of somebody that had to be told that they couldn't buy 520 Mountain Dews or whatever. I'm like, is this you? <laughs> I don't drink Mountain Dew, but I did. <laughs> but yeah, just talking to strangers and that being that part of the social aspect of our life, even just talking to the person who's making a coffee for you or talking to a person that you're holding the door for or something, you know, like you just, I, I've only talked to you. And some cashiers at uh, supermarkets. And even when we're out walking now, it seems like, the, you know, you could see someone here in, in uh, South Philly. People will often cross the street on the other side of the block before you have to walk across mm-hmm. from each other on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, we know that we're doing that together for a good reason, but it still feels like everything about it is wrong. And we're all wearing fucking masks. Granted, some of them are funny. And I do think that some people, we do make an effort to say hello More, underneath yeah. to our neighbor. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. been very friendly with our neighbors and 
but I do, I think that, that I miss, um, I can't even imagine what it's like for people who don't live somewhere you would see people or some people who live by themselves. It would be yeah. very difficult to uh, handle this situation. Definitely. Just to bring it back around full circle, think the people you like chatting with most, the strangers are Uber and Lyft drivers. I do like I've definitely to been yeah. uh, subject to this. Most of them aren't just an Uber. Well, not just like that's a just thing. Yeah. But they, they don't do uh, Uber and Lyft solely. They mm. often have other jobs and they often have really cool stories and they just talk to people all day, you know, so some of them are really cool to talk to. So to bring it back around to the PowerPoint party, <laughs> our friend Rich <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gave a PowerPoint about with some insider information on Uber and Lyft because he uh, has been driving in Chicago for a few months and has a five-star rating, just to say. Fuck yeah, Rich. And about how there's this two-question rule when a driver is supposed to test if you want to talk to them or not. Well, they gave them like a, like a, yeah, it's like an outline. Of, so the two questions are like, how's your day? How's it going? How's your day or something like, you know, two ways to say the same thing. But basically if someone just says fine, yeah, then they can't ask any more questions. <laughs> so you're the opposite. You yeah, like, <laughs> drivers like, how's your day? And I'm like, great, man. You never guess what I just saw. And then you'll be talking their ear off while yeah, they're yep, driving. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I say, sometimes if I have, if I'm yeah, listening I'm, to a podcast, I really like, okay. I say, I'm going to, I'm listening to this thing. I'm sorry. I'm not being rude, but. But some, you like have learned a whole person's life story in like 20 minutes. Oh yeah, for sure. I fucking Multiple love that times. Shit. Oh my God. The best one was one time this guy was giving me a ride to, uh, somewhere in downtown. I've been like Jefferson state or, uh, um, suburban station or some shit. So we're going down there and this guy, his English is not, not good. Like he's like really struggling to get it out, but he's really stoked to practice. And he's like, we were talking a little bit and he's like, it is okay if I practice my English. He's like from, I think he's from like Estonia or something like that. So. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) He goes, he's like, what kind of car do you drive? And I was like, I have a, I have a, a Subaru. And he's like, Subaru. Strong car. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah, this guy's great. But then he, his wife calls and uh, they're kind of going back and forth. Um, <laughs> his wife calls him and they're going back and forth. In, uh, I, th- I think actually he was, pro- he was from Hungary. And they're going back and forth. And then the GPS uh, goes off. Like the GPS has a you know, robot cell phone voice telling him where to go. And it's a female robot cell phone voice. And then it goes off and says, like, the direction. And his wife starts fucking yelling at him and screaming at him and shit. And he's, like, going back and forth. They're, like, arguing over something. And he puts it down and he's, like, uh, my wife does not believe that it was the phone talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's so fucking funny. That's the wife I'm going to be. No. <laughs> Who's that girl in the van or the bus or whatever Fear. in the background? The, she the in your robot? bunk? <laughs> no. Just kidding. Yeah, he's cool, but he was an engineer in uh, where he's from. Nice. But he likes yeah. driving an Uber because he gets to practice his English and yeah. Apparently, maybe to get away from his wife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> clearly. I wonder how they're doing in quarantine. Yeah, probably, probably pretty damn good. Probably better because she knows where he is at all times <laughs> and who he's with. Yeah, maybe. But I think this was really fun and way better than the last time that we did it. Yeah. Give any closing remarks to put you really on the spot, really hard. Uh, just keep on keeping on. Um, one thing I didn't answer, I forget who asked it, but like some mentality that's keeping you sane or something. Yeah. How you keep that PMA? 
Yeah. Um, I like a lot of the things that I've been seeing online, just reminding people that you don't need to like create the next masterpiece or solve world peace, hunger, solve cancer, all those things. Um, just because you have more time on your hands, I'm still feeling busy cause I am fortunate enough to still be working in this time and going to school. But, um, yeah, just keep that in mind. It's okay to also relax. Yeah. I don't know. Um, or, and don't let everyone else's quarantine times make you feel a certain way. Basically don't look at the internet all the time and do you. Hell yeah. I think that's a great way to end it. Thanks so much for doing this with me again. Yeah, no problem. I think I'll have to hang up my hat after this, though. Okay. Because then we're going to have to record. We're going to need, like, three tries next time, so. Oh, yeah, that's how it's going to get. <laughs> well, next time, maybe we can, uh, you can help me interview someone, or you could teach me how to prepare to interview someone. That would be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I like that, because uh, I don't want to give anything away, but. Big things coming. Yeah, trying to get this uh, UFO researcher on here. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And I'm going to try to get them on here. And I don't know how to interview someone that doesn't play guitar <laughs> or work with or someone who works with people who play guitar. We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll work on it. It'll be great. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Future Friday. You can uh, subscribe, like, whatever or all your podcasts are. You're obviously listening to it right now, so you probably sorted that part out already. Um, please feel free to reach out to me, Tom, at futurefriday.net with literally just about anything. I am wanting to take this time to kind of uh, cultivate all kinds of open doors and see what's, uh, see what's out there in the world. So hopefully I'll be back again next week. Thank you again. Oh, yeah. Tell me. Let me know what you like and don't like, too. You know? I don't really... You know, feedback. Uh, love you. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.